1: So in here we have um, a sorghum salad uh, uh-huh. with uh, different different vegetables, and then we also have morohawasesu too, the wild greens, yes, okay. uh, bobatzi, wutepe, spinach, and pumpkin leaves, and then we have the free-range chicken as well, wow. and uh, ginger drink, that's the menu for today. <laughs>
2: We're in Maseru, the capital of Lesotho, at the opening of a new hospital for cancer patients.
1: Thank you. You? Thank you very
3: much.
2: Foreign officials from the UN and local health authorities are in attendance, all listening attentively to Scar Motiane, a chef who's something of a star in her home country. Think Lesotho's answer to Julia Child or Massimo Botura. When you go and get our
1: food, speak to our team, we will be able to tell you where everything on your plate today comes from. We know the farmers because they're in our community. We support them, we buy from them. So we need to start being responsible and asking questions about where the food on your plate comes from. Thank you.
2: Healthy eating is an important aspect of preventing cancer as it boosts our immune system. So today, Scar is addressing a talk to caregivers, senior government officials, and donors on the importance of using traditional ingredients for a healthy diet. But she's also here to dish out treats.
1: Are you ready? Okay. Right. They can come through. They can come through. Hello. Oh,
0: yes.
2: yes. Yes. Okay. Lesotho is a small landlocked nation surrounded entirely by South Africa, and it's heavily dependent on its wealthier neighbour for imports, so much so that the country has overlooked its own culinary heritage. In 2010, Chef Scar travelled the length and breadth of Lesotho, documenting traditional basutu recipes. Ever since, she's been committed to putting those flavours and ingredients back on the table.
1: First of all, I'm basutu. Yes, I studied culinary arts. I'm a professional chef. But after I completed my studies, my interest has always been to uh, advance and promote my own traditional food. I'm inspired by my grandmother. I'm inspired by my mom. I'm inspired about the way they used to cook.
2: Welcome to The Star Ingredient, the show where we're traveling the African continent, meeting the chefs and communities, reviving traditional ingredients and flavors, all while sharing delicious new recipes. I'm your host, Takunbo Salako. Lesotho is home to around 900 edible plants. But because of climate change, globalization, and the poor consideration given to local cuisine, many of them are fast disappearing. Today, we're meeting Chef Ska Motiane. She's devoted herself to reminding the nation of the beauty of native basutu flavors, all while helping small-scale farmers modernize their business models. At the end of this episode, Chef Ska will share her favorite recipe for a nutritious and simple nioku, a traditional sorghum and beans dish served with free-range chicken and spinach. Lesotho is crisscrossed by a network of pristine rivers and mountain ranges. It's a constitutional monarchy with a population of just two million people calling themselves Basotho. That's the equivalent of Paris without its suburbs. Chef Scar describes her childhood as a normal, happy one, growing up between a rural village in the Tabaseca district of central Lesotho and the capital Maseru, where her parents had a house. Raised between these two worlds, she felt that she belonged to both. Scar's father was an academic and her mother ran a bakery.
1: From a very young age, seeing my mother coming up with all these awesome, amazing things in the, at the bakery and people enjoying what she came up with, I've always uh, seen that, you know what, I can actually make a life around this.
2: there was no culinary art school in Lesotho, so like many of her compatriots before her, Scar looked to neighbouring South Africa for opportunities and arrived in Johannesburg in 2007. Much to the disappointment of her family.
1: People were like, why is she doing this? How can you make money out of cooking, you know, from cooking? I knew I was not going to get support because actually no one understood what I was trying to do. But Things like that don't really scare me. I, I think I always um, look at myself as a pioneer.
2: In many culinary schools, becoming a professional chef often means setting aside your own food heritage and embracing the traditions of French haute cuisine. Blanching, sauteing, and cutting en julienne. In South Africa, Scar learned all the tips and tricks for cooking excellent European dishes, and professionally, it paid off.
1: At times it was overwhelming because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm wanted, like really everywhere. Uh, from, from Cape Town, from working with uh, Woolworths head office and the Woolworths head office. Then I worked for Miss Oprah Winfrey when her school started in, in Johannesburg. That was big.
2: Scar was happy working in South Africa, but she knew her time there wouldn't last.
1: I was overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, so many opportunities here. And I told myself that after I get my qualification, I'm going to work in South Africa, get all the experience that I need, and then move back home. If there are no opportunities with Lesotho, then who is going to create them? You know, we need to come back home and, and see how we can contribute to the economy of the country.
2: In 2009, she moved back to Lesotho, knowing that she would never be able to find an adequate job there.
1: I came from a high, high, high paying job and I knew that no one would match the salary and the benefits I I got there. Then I started a consultancy business. So I went to all the, you you know, restaurants, hotels, you know, all the food places. Then I offered my consultation and services. I'm talking recipe development, menu development, staff training, costings, pricings.
2: At the time, her main priorities were cooking good food and thinking about the business, just like her mother had done before her. And she was doing what she was best at, putting forward her European know-how. But one day, a chance encounter with a client compelled her to make a drastic change. You didn't ask me how I knew this was
1: your home. Oh, my goodness. I was going to ask him. But now, see, so much has happened, I I thought to myself, maybe I did give you directions. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) I didn't.
2: Chef Scar is welcoming our journalist Pascalina Kabi to her house in the suburbs of Maseru. A one-storey building made of red bricks with splashes of black, her house is surrounded by a well-kept garden replete with a chicken coop and a variety of thriving plants. A large fig tree provides shade, and here and there, patches of spinach and beetroot sprout up from the soil.
1: I used to stay behind the the, the rented house. That was about the time when you were making waves in the food industry. Oh, I see. When you wrote the pool.
2: Pascalina has come here to learn more about Scar's journey as the guardian of Basutu culinary traditions.
0: I would see it, I
1: would say, ah, that is a famous chef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, that, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, I it, love it was quite a few. Like,
2: I don't yeah. Despite being a professional chef and a masutu, that's the singular of basutu, by the way, Scar didn't really know how to cook any basutu dishes. Moreover, these meals, often considered food for the poor, rarely made it to the top of fine dining menus. But then, one day, Scar was approached by a client With a rather unusual request,
1: I remember one of my clients saying to me, "Can you uh, incorporate some Sutu dishes, traditional dishes, into into the menu?" And I just realized then I didn't even know how they are cooked, you know. And I looked, I went on Google, I looked bookshops, anywhere I could not find any Sutu recipes.
2: Scar realised that the culinary traditions of Lesotho, if not written down, were in danger of disappearing. So she had to do something about it.
1: So when I didn't find anything of the sort, then I decided to make it my project. And I went around the country, uh, asking the elderly people how certain things were prepared, cooking with them and noting everything down. Everywhere I went, I was just looking for, you know, the senior people there to sit down with so that they can tell me the story, uh, the stories behind the food and the stories behind the dishes.
2: And the Basutu food she discovered was...
1: Very simple, clean, clean, clean flavours. We don't use a lot of spices. Uh, You'd find that our dishes have got two, three ingredients. We don't really have a lot going on in terms of uh, ingredients.
2: Like today's recipe, the sorghum and beans porridge, nioku.
1: The biggest surprise is, I think, uh, discovering how nutritious our food has always been. I think I knew, but really when I started working with the food, I knew that actually we don't need, you know, more than what we have because we've always been eating complete meals.
2: Scar travelled to the remotest parts of this mountainous kingdom, to the villages that have no roads leading to them, places that are cut off from electricity and far removed from the conveniences of modern life.
1: You get the best sorghum there, you get the best beans, you get the best of everything. No electricity, but people there live very, very well, simple life.
2: The villagers received Chef Scar with a mixture of intrigue and bemusement.
1: Everywhere I went, everyone was like, why? You know, we want the Western stuff. Now you come to us with this boring stuff. I'm like, look, I just want to do it. I just want it to be documented. I want it there for my children, for my great-great-great-great-grandchildren, for future generations.
2: Scar standardized the recipes and compiled them in a self-published cookbook called Cuisine of the Mountain Kingdom, Cooking in Lesotho. Written in English, the book has piqued the curiosity of readers beyond Lesotho's borders. Chef Scar's interviews have appeared in African, Asian and European publications.
1: When I self-published the book, it was just to keep the information. I didn't know that the book would do so well because I think I didn't understand why nobody had ever thought of doing it before. And the, the cookbook did very, very well, surprisingly, because there is a demand for people to know about our Basutu food.
2: In 2012, the book won the prestigious Gourmet Cookbook Award for Best African Cookbook. But the most remarkable feedback came from the Basutu people themselves.
1: Basutu people were like, I never knew how to prepare this dish. And it's a traditional dish. I remember my grandmother used to make it. She is gone now. She passed on and I never got a chance for her to teach me how it's done. So they really appreciated the effort and the the, the fact that I compiled all of those things together for them.
2: Once she was finished with the book, Scar turned her attention to educating farmers on the importance of producing and distributing local ingredients.
1: I think now with the fast food and everything that has been coming in, we are losing that, that nutrition part. But also the fact that even the people in the villages that are eating this food, they don't know how nutritious it is. They think what is being eaten in the urban areas is more attractive and more nutritious. So I think we have a lot of work now to let them know that actually you are eating what you're eating is the good stuff. What you're eating, they are associated with poverty.
2: In tandem, Scar kept her consulting business going but decided that from then on, she would only cook variations of traditional basutu recipes. The only obstacle was that the local ingredients used in these dishes weren't the easiest to come by.
1: We had to go and do some cooking in Maffetene district. And I needed... um, Le kopo lekopo is about 20 litres or 20 kg of soga. I struggled. I struggled that week. I struggled so much to get soga.
2: Back at her house, Scar is lovingly leafing through the pages of her cookbook.
1: What is your favourite recipe in the book? Let me see. <laughs> yeah. And I know what's. Yeah, this is it. Moharikwana 48. Okay. This, this is Moharikwana. Yeah. This came as a surprise for me.
2: Mohalikwani, like most Basutu dishes, is very simple to prepare. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you no, know, you take the wheat berries and then you dry roast them in a pan. And then one day, once they, are, they have that nutty, 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 you know, nuttiness from the, from the roasting, then you grind them and then you cook just like you cook bap, and then you have it with milk. I'm telling you something. That is one of the best, best, best things ever. It is so delicious. It is so, so simple but so delicious.
2: Scar is now preparing a second cookbook on basutu cuisine, but her main goal at the moment is to bring basutu food to consumers all around the country so that basutu people can actually cook it in their own homes.
1: Are you happy with your pop? I am happy. I am happy with this. We never had this. I would have never known about Moharikwa.
2: While trying to cook traditional recipes, Scar realised the size of the challenge of securing locally grown ingredients in Lesotho. Small-scale farmers struggle to bring their produce to the cities and the cities rely instead on imported foods.
1: We are landlocked, completely surrounded by another country and at the moment a lot of our food comes from South Africa. If COVID taught us anything and the problems that we experienced during the lockdowns when the borders were closed, uh, we are now working very, very hard to reclaim um, food sovereignty to make sure that we actually feed ourselves.
2: Trying to solve a huge systemic issue like this is incredibly challenging and requires many actors but Scar is not embarking on the mission alone. Her goal is to help create a strong production chain from a highland farm to fork.
3: Mountain farmers cannot aim to monoculture and uh, hyper-specialisation, as very often uh, the the, the farmers from the lowland do, because they will never be able to compete for quantity. They can compete for quality. So uh, it will never be an hyper-specialised farm. It will be a farm specialised in producing biodiversity.
2: This is Carlo Mura. He's a marketing advisor from the Mountain Partnership, a UN food and agriculture Organization's initiative. They're working to improve the quality of life of people living in mountainous regions. They're helping farmers from the highlands of countries like Nepal or Kyrgyzstan commercialise their ancestral knowledge and products. Carlo has been working with SCAR to bring solutions to Lesotho farmers since 2021.
3: The main concept of the marketing strategy that we are applying to the mountain products is we cannot compete for the cheapest price. So if we cannot compete for the cheapest price, means that we need to have a product that can uh, be perceived as different, as uh, better than the others.
2: To preserve Basutu food culture and help strengthen food security, the farmers are encouraged to produce indigenous varieties of sorghum, beans and other plants better adapted to the local climate. The first piece of advice the Mountain Partnership gives is to stop competing for resources and join forces.
3: What is very difficult to be done by a single farmer, an individual farmer is much easier to be done by a group of farmers where they can share investment for uh, machineries, for, you know, having a, a common place where to process their products to uh, a warehouse, or uh, they can hire somebody um, in charge of selling their products in uh, the national market.
2: Highland small-scale farmers who choose to grow traditional crops are competing with mainstream products that are subsidised and therefore cheaper, or they're produced more easily in the lowlands in much bigger quantities.
3: We need to make the farmers able to process their product rather than selling raw materials. We want farmers to uh, control, to create a value chain and to control the value chain, to enjoy the benefit of adding value, of processing, of controlling of the value chain.
2: Precooked beans, ready-to-eat sorghum dishes, or simply an attractive packaging with an eco-certified label telling the story of the farmer.
3: Rather than selling um, the product the raw material to intermediaries, we are reaching almost the final consumer. We are reaching the retailers. So we are proposing the retailers a packaged product with our own brand.
2: This model can help those farmers get a fair price for their work. But to further improve their chances, Carlo believes they need to create a direct relationship with local consumers.
3: Producing for the local market means producing food for the people that live around you. So they will not be interested just in uh, buying and sourcing from you one product but the concept is that they will be interested in sourcing the whole range of products they need to live. it's based on a strong relation between farmer and the, its community
2: working together and building local supply chains small-scale farmers can help the whole country feed itself
3: it's inspired by the concept of food sovereignty, you know, based on the right of, uh, right to choose the food you want to eat and the, how it, it must be cultivated.
1: How are you? Good. Good.
2: Thank you. It's early morning and Scar is getting ready to meet farmers in the village of Shalane in the Mohalis Hook district, where she's going to cook a delicious recipe for us. Cooking demonstrations are part of the work she does with rural women to promote traditional recipes and make them more popular among young people. Pascalina picks Scar up at her house.
1: Oh, we wake you up early. Very early. Oh, we are used to it. Oh, you are used to it? Yeah, hey, I know. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Mornings are a thing, you know.
2: Located in the highlands along the Orange River... Shalane is a five-hour drive south of Maseru. It's infamously difficult to access because of the poor roads. I
1: was worried worried about the rain, but the good Lord has heard us. (laughs) mm, mm. Mm. To be honest, the distance is not that bad or that far. It's just the road. Yeah.
2: As the two women travel further from the bustle of Maseru, Pascalina and Ska naturally turn from English to Sesutu, the local language. Shortly after 10 a.m., they arrive at the house of Mamotibeli Litlama, one of the most successful farmers in the area. Outside, a dozen local women are already waiting for them. It's a very windy day. Water is boiling in a pot over an open fire outside the house. Everything is ready to start cooking. On the menu today is a free-range chicken served with spinach and lesotho style sorghum and beans. For this dish, you'll need a whole free-range chicken, onion, spinach and rape, and then some sorghum and beans clean the chicken and put it in boiling water to cook. While it cooks, prepare the vegetables.
1: So we started off um, with cooking the onion. The onion is also from the garden here. Uh, Just saute it until it's soft. Now I'm adding the spinach and the rice. This is a mixture of spinach and rice.
2: Cook this for about eight minutes, making sure not to overcook the greens. Now we move on to the sorghum and beans.
1: So this is our traditional sorghum dish. It's called nyekwe. It's a mixture of sorghum and beans. And it's just seasoned with salt.
2: The nyoku cook the sorghum and beans separately until they're tender. You'll need to cook your sorghum for about an hour until it's soft and chewy. The beans can take up to two hours to cook, depending on the variety.
1: So this is almost cooked. Uh, It has been going on for just over one one and a half hours. So you just want it cooked um, until the beans and the sorghum are soft. So maybe uh, a few more minutes and then it will be ready to, to serve.
2: Now that we're done with the cooking, Scar is dishing up the meal to all the gathered women. They're sitting outside on the ground, as is typical in the Basutu tradition.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the old women are joking with Scar, a younger woman cooking for them just like daughters in law in a traditional Basutu family. The old women rest to be spoiled by the younger generations. <laughs> I believe
1: that if we lose touch with our culture or the way things were done before, then we are really a lost nation. I look at my work now and what I do now, and a lot of my cooking now is inspired by those traditional recipes. So I, for me, it's important that even my children and my great my, my, my grandchildren know how these dishes were prepared before. Then they can work on that and have it as a foundation because at the end of the day, they are Basutu. So this is what um, Basutu people have been eating for generations. So it had, we, we cannot let it die. We cannot let it die, otherwise we lose ourselves.
2: I'm your host, Takunbo Salako, and this series is written and produced by my colleagues Naira Davlashian, Marta Rodriguez Martinez, and Ashling Nikulan in Lyon, France, with original reporting by Pascalina Kabi in Maseru, Lesotho. Our consulting editor is Catalina Mai in Santiago de Chile, and our solutions journalism consultant is Michel Fouan in Paris, France. The theme music is by Andy Rabini. Sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. Our production coordinator is Louise Lehec, And our editor-in-chief is Patrick Heary. You can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. For more information on The Star Ingredient, go to our website, euronews.com. And are you a French speaker? If so, you can find a version of this podcast in French called La Surprise du Chef. The podcast The Star Ingredient was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the Solutions Journalism Accelerator. This fund is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.